So glad to be together once again this Lord's Day as each week we have that opportunity. It is a gr again a great opportunity granted us by the Lord. I'd like to begin by thanking those who are here today. It's so good to have your presence and especially if you're visiting. We are glad to have you here. Today is a special day. Today we are recognizing the seniors and the, the college graduates and all those that are, are graduating at this this time, this prime position in their life, I want to take a moment this morning to consider ready for the future. You know, we sing a song, uh, I know who holds tomorrow. We know who holds tomorrow. I don't know. There's many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds the future. You know, when I think about graduation, I think about being ready for what the future has in store. And there's lots of different paths that will be taken by the different graduates. Some are graduating from high school, some graduating from college, you know, some are going to go straight to the workforce, some straight to college, and then some of those are from college. It's time to, it's time to get the real job. It's time to move on with life in that respect, but yet no matter where you are in life, we still have to be ready for the future. Whatever the future holds, we have to be ready for it. I want to begin this morning by looking at Romans chapter 1. And as we go through the lesson, I'll encourage you to keep your finger there because we'll be continually flipping back and forth. But in Romans chapter 1, we will notice that Paul had a desire to visit Rome. He was desirous of going to, to see the Romans. And specifically in Romans chapter 1, Part of it was to encourage them, and part of it was so that he could share gifts with them. He wanted them to have the miraculous gifts. And in verse 13, it says, Now I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now, that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. He says, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. First off, we notice that Paul had a desire to go to Rome. I think about the, the future of our graduates. And I imagine you have lots of plans. You have lots of ideas in your head for what's going to take place in your life. You know, you're going to get the perfect job at the perfect place. You're going to meet the perfect woman or the per perfect man that will become your mate. And then you'll have this perfect family. Of course, as you go through that, you raise the perfect children that... Then comes to a point where you get to the perfect retirement and the kids leave your house. And all these things are, are planned out so perfectly in our head, but the problem is our plans don't always go just exactly how we plan. Our plans don't always work out perfectly like we had them configured in our head. But, you know, Paul had a similar thing going on in his life. He said, for I desired to come and be with you at Rome. He said, I, I hoped, he said, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you. And then he says, but I was hindered. As you go forward in the future, as you prepare and you're ready yourself for the future, understand that things don't always go as planned. And I'm talking about, I'm talking about the physical plans that are made. I think of Matthew chapter 7, verse 25. We see there a wise man. You know, our children will probably sing tonight about a wise man and a foolish man building houses and it just so happens that 
The foolish man builds his house in the wrong place. Within that rettering ourselves for the future, we see the wise man building his house and everything goes just like he had planned. He builds a house, the house stands, the rains come, and he is protected. I have a feeling that the foolish man didn't say, I'm going to build this house on the sand, and that way when the rains come, my house will collapse. We see plans don't always go like we think. But the main theme, the, the goal or the purpose within the plan in the wise man and the foolish man was you need to build your house on the Lord. Think about readying yourself for the future as you graduate today. I don't believe there is a more important point that can be stressed in your life. No matter where you go, no matter what town you move to or what city you go to, no matter... What individuals you, want, you run into, no matter how you decide to make the decisions for where you'll go or what decisions will take place in your, your life, the most important thing is building that foundation upon the Lord. As you think about Paul's desire to be the, among the Romans, that overall desire was encompassed with the thought of to have fruit among them. He wanted to have fruit among them. He wanted to have something good that came from his being there. If you look at the end of verse 13, in Romans chapter 1, it says, He was hindered until now that his goal to be there was that he might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. He wanted to have purpose. As I think about the graduates, no matter where you go in the, in the world, no matter where you go from this point forward as you graduate from high school, as you graduate from college, as you move forward in your life, my prayer is that you can be fruitful for the Lord. My prayer is that you can bear some 60-fold, 100-fold, 30-fold, whatever it be, the prayer is that we become fruitful, that we are a positive help where a growth aspect for the church, where a light, wherever we go. So we see Paul had a desire to be among the Romans. He desired to have fruit among the Romans, but also he desired to help all nations. You go down into verse 14, he says, I am debtor both to the Greeks and the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise, covering the the broader view, the aspect of the whole world, he has a goal of helping all mankind. I believe within our, our desires to go forward in the future, our goal should be to help people. We're going to choose a job, a career that hopefully, hopefully adequately gives us the means to take care of ourselves. But more important than that job is the job of being a Christian. The job of living for Christ in our everyday life. I think about the desire to help all nations. We understand that the gospel is open to the entire world. In Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, it says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. There is not one, there's not one person, there's not one individual that would be left out of God's scope for the gospel plan of salvation. I think of John chapter 3 and verse 16 where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever... When we think about the whosoever, obviously the whosoever is you. The whosoever is me. The whosoever is every person. 
within God's design, our hope is that we can help the world. So as I think about moving on in the future, I think about, first off, Paul's desire to visit Rome. He had this, this earnest desire. He was, he was ready to go. The next verse, which uh, we'll get into in just a second, in verse 15, is one of my favorites. He said, for as much as in me is. As much as in me is, he says, I desire to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Within our hope for the future, within readying ourselves for the future and going on to the future, I think about the desire to spread the gospel. You know, certain things didn't work out, we talked about. Plans don't always go as planned. If you look back at verse 13 in the same chapter, in Romans chapter 1 and verse 13, things didn't go quite like Paul had intended. He said, now I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now. Plans didn't work out. He says, I was hindered. You know, you can go back and look also at verse 10, possibly one of the hindrances that he's pointing to is in verse 10 it says making request if by some means now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you you know with the uh, with the apostles being inspired there was a a difference in how things worked and it just so happens that Paul had been hindered in many instances you can go ahead and turn back to Acts chapter 16 there's a little bit of a lengthy passage there but in Acts chapter 16, we see that there were a few times that Paul had plans and they just didn't work out. In Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 6, it says, Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Why? I don't know. We see that it just so happens that the Holy Spirit said this isn't the right time or... You've got something more important to do. Well, that wasn't the last time it happened. Look down at verse 7. It says, After they had come to Mycenae, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not per permit them. Go down to the following verse. In verse 8, it says, So passing by Mycenae, they came down to Troas, and then a vision appeared to Paul in the night. Once again, we see the Spirit, and it says, A man of Macedonia stood pleading with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately they sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. We see that Paul was prevented by circumstances. We see it take place here in Acts chapter 16 and also in Romans chapter 1. He says, I wanted to come, but I wasn't allowed. Things prevented me from being able to do that. Possibly it was that of the Holy Spirit, just like in Acts chapter 16. But either way, we know that Paul was not able to go to Rome up to this point in Romans chapter 1. But yet, that didn't prevent his desire because... He was propelled by desire. He was desirous to go see them. He says, so much as in me is, at the beginning of verse 15. I think of the excitement that must have been within Paul when he says, so much as in me is, I desire with every fiber of my being to go and to preach to you that are at Rome. You know, in understanding desires, it was a Friday night. My wife and I went out to eat. There was a man there by the name of Patrick Hughes. He attends the Nesbitt congregation. And uh, Patrick came over and said, Charlie, do you want to ride a horse? 
And Friday night, we left that eating establishment. And the whole way home, Charlie said, I want to ride a horsey. I want to ride a horsey. I want to ride a horsey. So it just worked out that we text Patrick and we went. And on Saturday morning, Charlie wakes up and the first thing she says is, I want to ride a horse. Because we had told her that we were going to ride a horse on Saturday. After we get through going to, to Patrick's house on the way home, Charlie talked about that horse. I think about the excitement within Charlie all the way home, all evening. And then she goes to sleep and we bribe her and say, you got to go to sleep so you can wake up tomorrow and ride the horse. And I think Charlie could say, so much as in me is, I desire to ride a horsey. So we see the design within Paul. He says, so much as in me is, every fiber of my being desires to come to you at Rome and preach the gospel. He says, I want to have fruit among you. I want to help in Rome. As we think about propelled by desire, I believe that's the absolute best thing that a Christian can have in their life. The absolute best attitude that can be part of the Christian must be the desire to help the world because we've been given the greatest gift we should have the desire to share our gift so Paul was so excited for this upcoming opportunity Charlie understood she was really excited within being a graduate I don't know what what town you're going to move to I don't know how long you're going to be there I don't know what job you're going to get I don't know if you're going to like the job after you've been there six months. But I see the desires and the excitement within the individual. And I think about you, and I know that you're excited. You're excited to go on, to move on in your life. But I want to encourage you. Don't let the excitement of the worldly things overshadow the purpose or the goal of spiritual things. Within understanding Paul's desire... His overall goal was to spread the gospel. No matter where you go in life, I pray, I pray that God remained the number one key, the number one thought in your life. Notice also in verse 15 that it's the preaching by the gospel. He says, so much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel, preaching by the gospel, the gospel being that power of salvation mentioned in verse 16. The, the power, the strength, the ability to give salvation. We see in Acts chapter 2 and verse 40 as they they were taught by Peter throughout Acts chapter 2. As you get down to verse 40, it says, And with many other words, within many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. They could be saved by the gospel message that, that Peter had been proclaiming to them how that this Messiah, the Christ that was just crucified, was the Son of God. That they, that they could put their hope in him, they could put their trust in him, and he tells them to repent and to be baptized and to, to live, make a lifestyle following after Christ. We see the responsibility, though, still lies on the hearer. We understand that power is within the gospel, but the gospel has to be received by the hearer 
Otherwise, it's, it's action. It's, its efficiency will not take place. In John chapter 1, verse 11 and 12, we see it says, He came, talking about Jesus, He came to His own and, and His own did not receive Him. They didn't accept what He had to say. When, when the gospel is presented, they didn't, yeah, we don't need that. But it says in verse 12, But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. We see the, the power of salvation lying within the gospel and the acceptance of it by the individual. We see the requirement in obeying God's words, in obeying Christ's words and his commands. In John chapter 8 and verse 30 it says, As he spoke these words, many believed in, believed in him. Verse 31, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth. He says, And the truth shall make you free. Why? Because the power for salvation is found within the words, the gospel, the good news of Christ. We see the desire to visit Rome. We see the desire to spread the gospel. But notice next with me, the desire to share salvation. In verse 16, we see, For I am not ashamed. Being unashamed of the gospel. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And he says, For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also the Greek. Once again, we've got mankind. It's Salvation is for all through the gospel, no matter what color of skin, no matter what nationality, no matter where they came from. As a human being, he says the gospel is the power to the Jews and also to the not-Jews. You've got the Jews and the Gentiles. We see all these things that encompasses all of mankind. As we think about being unashamed of the gospel, God's overall theme uh, design is when we confess him is that it's something that continues. It's something that is a continual act in our life, being unashamed of the gospel. Being willing to confess him before men as the promise is he too will confess us before the Father which is in heaven. I think about the proper inner attitude, being unashamed, being proud of the gospel, standing firm, standing strong in what God has done, understanding that the good news is for all of creation. The proper inner, inner attitude is found in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. It says, And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he has counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. He's thankful to be counted as faithful. That comes from that, that person who's not ashamed of what Christ is, but rather is strengthened by the fact that Christ died for them. I think about all the other attitudes that we can look at throughout the scripture that, that would be opposite, opposite of it. In fact, we see Peter in John chapter 18 and in a moment of weakness thinking that his world was turned upside down and as Christ was crucified, we see that he denies the Lord. There was a moment there that Peter was ashamed. He said, mm, nope, this must not have been the Christ because he just got crucified. And so he's ashamed and he says, no, I don't even know the man. 
in John chapter 18. But he's not the, not the only person that ever had the, the wrong attitude. You can go ahead and look at 2 Timothy. Chapter 1 and verse 8, as it gives warning here, it says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Think of the Beatitudes as Jesus laid them out in Matthew chapter 5. He said, Blessed are those who are persecuted, those that suffer for righteousness' sake. I think about the great, the great blessing it is sometimes to suffer for the one that did the utmost suffering for us. Not only do we see that we ought to be unashamed of the gospel, but we also see the openness of the gospel. The gospel was open to all. The gospel was open to the, the Jews and the Greeks, if you look at the end of verse 16. I've got the wrong chapter. But as you look at the... As you look at the openness of it, there was not one person that would not have been counted within God's plan. Uh, you can look at Acts chapter 10 and verse 34. Peter opens his mouth and says, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. No matter who you were, no matter who you are, he said you can be one in Christ. It says, but in every nation, in verse 35, after understanding that the the Gentiles were allowed to be part of the church. He says, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. I think in Romans chapter 1, you can go back to verse 14, and it mentions the Greeks and the barbarians. You can see down in verse 16, you see the, 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 the Jews and the Greeks. You can look at Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28. As I consider the overall theme of no partiality, I believe this would be one of the the most straightforward verses, he says there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female. He said, but you are all one in Christ Jesus. He says, for you all are one in Christ Jesus. And within God's design, we all can be saved through that power of salvation, no matter our background, no matter, no matter where we come from, no matter what nationality, no matter what part of the town of Olive Branch we live in, no matter what part of Memphis or Tennessee or Mississippi, whatever part of the area, there's nothing that, that changes. It says slave or free. No matter what they were, we were all one in Christ. So we see that the gospel is open to all. But not only do we want to notice that it's open to all, meaning... All people can come to it, but also notice the availability of the gospel. The gospel is available right now. The gospel is revealed to us through that of God's word. Romans 10, chapter, 17, ch chapter 10 and verse 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, we've got to come to a point where we've got a faith in this. We've got a faith that comes through the study of God's word. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 22 says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren love one another fervently with a pure heart having been born again not of corruptible but of incorruptible through the word of God which lives and abides forever they're born by that incorruptible way they're born through Christ they're born through the gospel through the truth 
So we have the availability of the gospel today as we study God's word. We can apply it to our lives and we can live for God. Noticing also that righteousness is the practice that ensues. Back in Romans chapter 1 and verse 17 at the very end, it says, For in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. From faith, that of the, the, the system of faith that we hold in our hand to the point where you have faith in your life. He says, in it, the righteousness of God. Righteousness is the practice that comes from the study of the faith to the point where we have faith. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, as we mentioned. Righteousness is the practice that comes about... 1 John chapter 3 and verse 7, it says, Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. It starts right here. By being obedient to God, we too can practice righteousness. Being just, at the end in verse 17, the just shall live by faith. Being just is a way to live by faith, by Applying God's message to our lives. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4, it's a quotation actually here in uh, Romans chapter 1, but it says in Habakkuk 2 4, Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Go also to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 38, once again a quote, it says, Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. As I think about the availability of the gospel, I understand no matter what time it is, as long as there still is day, there is opportunity for us to be obedient. I think about the plan to, to follow in that plan of salvation, and I believe as we prepare for the future, whether you be 10 years old, 20 years old, 50 years old, 80 years old, as long as there is tomorrow, we need to plan to pattern ourselves after this book. We need to plan for the future. Paul had a desire to go to Rome, and no matter where you go in your earthly life, I pray that your desire is to live for Christ in the future. Not only did he have the desire to go to Rome, but he had the desire to spread the gospel as part of being a Christian by God's design, we have the obligation. We have the opportunity which, we, which then gives us the obligation to go to the world and to teach the good news. Because the gospel is still available to save mankind today. As we close, thinking about our graduates, I understand that uh, there's a lot of different a lot of different things that people are going to do. You know, you might choose to be an engineer. You might choose to dig ditches or work on houses. Whatever you choose or be a computer person. Whatever you choose, I pray that the gospel is the number one thing. I'm going to take just a moment to reminisce. There was once a boy that stood in this, uh, at this pulpit and preached a sermon... And the theme of that sermon was keeping the main thing the main thing. 
Ben Rickman today is going to be part of the, the graduation ceremony. But I pray no matter where you go in life, my hope and my prayer is every person keep the main thing, the main thing. If you haven't given your life to Christ, it's very simple. That gospel plan of salvation that is available to all is laid out in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's the way that they were saved, understanding that it's the power of salvation. That gospel plan is, is laid out how that Christ died and he was buried in the tomb and it says, and on the third day he rose. Well, we following that pattern first must die to sin, say, I don't want sin to be a part of me. We die to sin, we put sin out of our life. We say, I'm no longer going to, to live a pattern of what Satan would desire, but rather I'm going to live for Christ. Making that, that commitment, that repentance in our mind, we're going to be as, as Christ did, buried. He hung on the cross, he died, and then he was buried in the tomb. We too must be buried in that grave of water where we put off the old man and then it says we rise to walk in newness of life. Just as Christ rose from the grave to go and be with the Father, we too rise with purpose, with hope. If you haven't given your life to Christ, make the change today while it is still available. Behold, today is the day of salvation. If you haven't given your life to Christ, make the change right now.